Thank you for listening to the WP Square One podcast. I am Aaron, and unfortunately, Micah is out uh, for today, and maybe I'll be able to swing it. Um, but I have uh, a developer here. Um, his name is Rich, uh, and he is a all-around WordPress product guy uh, with eight years of experience in the field. Um, among other things, he has side gigs, um, and he builds WordPress themes for professionals at Theme Beans, and we'll get you some links uh, later. And just launched Co Coblocks, um, a suite of contact content marketing blocks for Gutenberg, which uh, Gutenberg is all the rage right now. Um, but here's Rich. How are you doing, Rich? Doing pretty good, Aaron. Yourself? I am doing fine. Um, did I do okay on the introduction? Anything yeah, you want to add? Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can do this without Micah. So that's good. So, um, but uh, anyways, I'm, I'm glad we have you here. Um, and I thought, I know you and I have um, met at WordCamp Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you have kind of the developer background, um, but also a designer uh, background. So that'll be um interesting to discuss because I kind of came from the design world and was almost forced into development. Um, but um, hmm. tell us um, a little about what uh, what you do for a living. Yeah, so I mostly build WordPress products. Um, I specialized originally in themes and uh, kind of jumped on that bandwagon early when it was, uh, you know, that right where it was going to be uh, really successful and everything was really easy to get out there and going. Um, and then since then, I still do themes uh, pretty regularly, but I'm also starting to dive into more plugin territory, especially, like especially with uh, Gutenberg coming around the corner. I think that there's just tons of opportunity there. And um, so that's kind of where I've started to pivot a little bit. But um, but the product space is kind of where I kind of landed and I just enjoy it so much. Nice. That's cool. What type of uh, or more specific, what year did you start building themes? So 2010 and 2011 is okay. kind of when I got my start. Yeah. And yeah, you know, my, relatively my first, early then. Yeah. Yeah. And my first couple of themes, I didn't even really code them. I just designed them and I just paid someone to help me code them. And then I started learning how to do stuff. You know, I started simple with like the widgets and then you move into the, the menus. And then I started being able to move stuff and put stuff where I wanted. And then eventually got to the point where I was like, I really need to know what I'm doing because people were paying me lots of money and I didn't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, nice. yeah. That's interesting. So uh, when you, uh, was it 2011 or so, did you start a company at that point or was it just kind of like uh, freelance type stuff? Yeah, it was It was more just, you know, put it up there, see if someone buys it kind of stuff. Uh, it wasn't really company oriented. Uh, at the at the time and then when it started to when it started to grow and and, you know back then in 2011 theme shops grew really rapidly um pretty like you could you know your first couple of days you're already netting a couple thousand dollars if you have a winner on your hands nowadays it's like a couple hundred if you're doing really awesome you know right Uh, but so back then i started off more freelance style but then quickly grew into establishing a team a small team a really small team and then just kind of pumping them out at that point that's cool. Yeah, uh, I hacked a theme in like two thousand and what nine uh, <laughs> or so, two thousand and ten, and I didn't know what I was doing. But I mean, that's that's kind of how I got in got into the business. Is just uh, 
started, I was doing design and then I needed some functionality, you know, and I think that's how most yeah. people kind of got into WordPress is that uh, clients needed stuff. Um, so started, uh, starting hacking at uh, themes and whatnot. Um, so when you, um, have you ever uh, listed your stuff on uh, Envato and that type of stuff, or have you uh, had things on, on your own site? Yeah, when I first started, ThemeForce is where to go. That was the place. And uh, I listed most of my stuff on ThemeForce. And over like the last three or so years, I started where I, I went non-exclusive and opened up my own shop formally and um, and started putting a lot of my stuff there. And then sometimes I would upload them to ThemeForce and Creative Market is another one. Um, but those those markets are they're, they're really difficult because you're, you know, you're competing against thousands Saturated. of other authors yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, and a lot of the types of themes that I like to build are not necessarily that market fit um, where the, those kind of folks looking for themes are a lot of them are looking for, you know, the one theme to rule them all theme. <laughs> and I just don't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, what makes uh, your uh, themes kind of different as far as, I, I mean, cause I think I have the same type of mindset. I don't think a theme should do, everything it shouldn't have you know eight custom posts and and stuff like that so yeah what, what are you different uh, what do you do differently so i mean really i i really really try to focus on the end user experience and find ways to make the theme the easiest but also the most i don't know like simple but also you know simple to you but it's complex behind the scenes and that it does what you want it to do without you having to think about it and and that sort of mentality has pushed my themes up big time uh, against the competition and and then comparing that with my design background uh i really feel like i just hit i just hit a really good spot that i like to sit in and just keep pushing the boundaries um like the you know recently i developed uh, merlin wp and it's like an onboarding wizard for themes and it's, it's pretty intense, but what it is, is it's like, you know, how WooCommerce has its getting started pages. It's kind of like that, but for your theme setup, like where you can, you know, generate a child theme within the wizard and it goes, it goes ahead and applies it to your theme. And then you can set your custom, your different options if you want to within that, or even install your plugins using uh, TGMPA. It, it kind of walks you through that process. So then at the end of it, if, and if you install the demo data and you hit, you know, view my website, it looks just like the theme demo did if you wanted to, or you could just disregard all of that and just say, no, don't ever see it again. But I kind of build those kind of things so that the themes are super simple and easy to work with. And, and I try my best to make sure that they all work together. So when you switch a theme to another theme, you know, that everything kind of ports over. So that way people are more likely to come back and use my themes. Nice. I like that. So uh, I like, like the concept of having a, I don't know what did you call it like kind of like when a setup uh like a series of uh, setup pages um or whatever because yeah like a wizard yeah wizard thank you um that's the thing mm -hmm. that drives me nuts with a lot of themes and that's where a lot of people have come to me saying hey I bought this and it looks nothing like it so just to <laughs> clarify like what you demo uh they go through these uh the wizard and you wind up having something that actually looks like the demo yeah it's a one-to-one -one. <laughs> sweet <laughs> yeah amazing and, 
to me, I to know, me it's right? very it's... logical to have to have that. But I know, and I and I, you know, don't want to slam other theme, uh, you know, companies. Mm. But a ton of them are just they 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 look blank almost when when they start mm-hmm. off, and it's is super frustrating for someone that is just now getting into WordPress. So that's cool. Right, and it's also frustrating for people who know what they're doing. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> you know, too. like yeah, it's like you know, install all these other plugins and then go in and try to find the demo files and then go in and try to set up all the custom post types before you do that. Otherwise, you have to do it all over again. You know, like there's all those steps that definitely new new uh, people don't understand. But there's, you know, there's a whole lot of steps even for people who know what they're doing. And yeah, it's just a, it can be a mess really, really easily. That's cool. How do you handle support for your themes? I do a lot of it myself these days. Uh, I, I do have a contractor who helps out, um, but I, I like to keep my hands in there because I don't get a lot of tickets. Uh, a lot of my themes are relatively simple and uh, and a lot of the easy things or a lot of the uh, common topics I get are relatively easy to answer. So I have a lot of help uh, articles on there, uh, but I, I like to just you know stay in there and get things that way. When it, the same issue comes up two or three times, I'm able to rectify that in the code and then ship out an update pretty quickly. Nice. That's cool. Um, Well, I kind of, so we try to go through a bunch of questions in a certain order here and I kind of skip the, what do you do for fun? Um, (laughs) And I hope, I hope it's not like uh, me, like 20 years ago, what did I do for fun? It was like web stuff. You know, now I try to separate like, (laughs) like life and, uh, and work. So what do you do for fun? Lately, I've been really getting into running. So I've been running you know, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and just for an hour or so in the morning. And it's just been so relaxing and just enjoyable. And I do it with friends, so I get to see people. And it's it's just been, I feel like, a life changer over the last couple of months. And I think it's something I want to do for a while. We're training for a 10K, but I think it's something I want to keep up. Um, but apart from that, I just I just enjoy music. I play guitar a whole lot. Used to play electric guitar and drums back in my younger days, but... Uh, but I just now like to sit on the couch with a good old acoustic and just, you know, just jam out and play it's around. It's amazing to me how many, and I think this was mentioned, um, I'm assuming, you know, Tom McFarlane. I mean, he he's also in, mm-hmm. in Georgia and he does uh, music too, plays guitar. I don't know if he plays drums, but that's mm-hmm. interesting because there are so many developers that are musicians too um i'm not sure i didn't get that uh that skill too um which which makes me kind of kind of mad uh, my kids are getting those skills though so that's good so nice yeah. but uh you play basketball too oh yeah i love basketball I play once nice. a week I hate <laughs> I'm yeah short. i'm not i'm not awesome really <laughs> yeah and yeah, I'm not, I used to be, yeah, I am not awesome, but it's just so much fun. If you play with good friends and, and just hang out basically and play. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to jump back into kind of like your, your background. Um, because like, like I said, I started okay. off with design. So h- how did you, um, start off with design? Like, did you go to college? Did you go to school for it? Was it just uh, something you picked up? And then how did you move from that to development? Yeah, so I went to school originally for um, engineering and architecture and decided pretty quickly that it wasn't for me. Uh, I, re- I mean, I enjoy the logic behind it and, and such, but the schooling part of it just got me. I, I wasn't uh, really awesome in school. So I switched over to marketing 
And uh, yeah. that's kind of where I started experimenting a little bit and learning some stuff. Um, you know, but back in, what was that, 2003, 4, 5, and 6? No, 6, 7, 8, 9. It was basically a lot of uh, retailing marketing strategies and not as much detail in the online world. Uh, so I started kind of dabbling outside of class into that area. And as soon as I graduated, I started working for a local marketing firm for small businesses and doing only design work from there. Uh, but I would design stuff and really cool landing pages that looked like crazy now. But back then it was like, well, this is so amazing. And uh, my developers would come over to me and be like, yo, we can't really do all this. Like, you know, we only have two hours you know, or whatever. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do here. So I decided at that point it was like, really important for me to start kind of fiddling with code so I can understand like if I do something like this it's going to take a long time to try to do it or you know trying to learn those constraints in the uh, interface and with the developer side of things and then I just just went head first into it because it was I just really enjoyed making the designs come to life and using you know subtle animations and just just making just making the whole package come together and that's the fun part for me um, but that's kind of how I went from design to development. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. We we get some, so I own an, uh, an agency called Sideways 8, um, and I'm saying that for you, not necess- necessarily for people. Uh, if you've gone <laughs> to wpsquare1.com, you've seen the, uh, the, the bio and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, it's amazing to me that if, if we get, so, so most of the time we'll do the whole, we can do branding. We can do, you know, from the beginning to the end, you know, a client comes to us and says, Hey, I need a website. And we do, um, you know, text wires and then wires or wireframes, you know, and then the design Mm -hmm. and then we code it out. But some of the stuff we get a lot of work from agencies that they already have a design um, and the thing that, um, I wouldn't say kills us, but I would say that adds a whole lot of time is that there's a lot of designers that have never dabbled in code. And if they understood the limitations, mm. they could very easily save hours, you know, um, kind of like before there were transparencies yeah. within, uh, CSS, um, you know, and think, you know, mm-hmm. like just having something not overlap, in a in a photoshop file you know versus um you know overlapping you know can save a significant amount of time at least at least for me so that i would assume that helped you a ton right yeah i really did um for sure that's probably the one of the best decisions i've made in my career is to to explore in that area no that's and learn a little that's bit cool more. so um well what I mean con- concerning your your products, um, what what sets you apart? Um, you know, I, I understand. You know, the, the I'm I'm never gonna forget about the wizard thing because that I've dealt with. Uh, you know the uh, I can't even think the Genesis stuff. And you know, when you mess with mess with that, it comes out mm-hmm. very. Uh, when you first install the theme, it comes very empty. I know you can import you know, some stuff, but I mean, that, that's, I know one thing that sets you apart from the others, but do you have any other, uh, things that might, uh, set you apart? Yeah, I think, you know, my, the second big thing that is, is kind of my, my crux for my business, what I do and focus on is the, uh, the design aspect. I spend a lot of time reaching out to uh, potential, like if I'm building a certain type of theme, I'll reach out to clients or potential clients, uh, 
and find out like why, like what the, what don't they like about their current blog? If it's something similar to what I'm doing or um, get them on the phone and just tell me about what they're running into, the pain points that they're hitting. And then I kind of just evolve like a plan and design around that. And then that way I can, I could take my ability to, to make things simple and, and beautiful and clean and modern, but also solve all these problems that these guys are having like real world problems and then combine them together. And then that usually hits off with uh, some winners and yeah, I haven't done very many themes lately. I do like two a year right now, but the two that I do are making just as much as the four or five or six or seven that I used to make in the past. So it's, it's really about focusing and, and really drilling down on like the client's needs and their, and with, and sort of what they want too. it's important but just making sure they that they get a theme that is focused and design oriented do you, do and that you, they just um, absolutely love. Subscription based themes or is it a buy buy one uh, you know and you get it forever type thing? Okay. Yeah, I do all subscription stuff. Um, if it's purchased through my my website. When I I think it's been 3 years since I've been running subscriptions. It's one of the first shops to do it. Um, but it's been awesome, it, you know. People use themes for multiple years, especially when they're like buying for themselves. And a lot of my themes are the type of themes that people buy for themselves and not so much for other clients. I do get a couple, but at, for at least for my business, at least 60 to 70 percent are for themselves. And it's, it's a much easier to sell them on keeping their subscription active when I'm continuously pushing updates to to keep up with WordPress. And especially with Gutenberg around the corner, it's been it's super easy because I'm, you know, I'm talking about all the stuff that I'm doing with Gutenberg and my themes and I'm using my latest theme, which is my last name, Tabor. It's kind of like the the playground area where I'm pushing out updates almost weekly to keep it up to date with Gutenberg. And I'm, you know, learning all this stuff that I'm applying to all my other themes and everyone who buys a theme within this next year, within this previous year will get all the updates for Gutenberg. And then they are encouraged to keep that up because, you know, obviously Gutenberg's coming at some point. And they're going to want uh, all the new and latest, jumped, greatest stuff. Uh, or beat me to the uh, the Gutenberg question. So, um, no, that's a, <laughs> that's a great uh, segue uh, there. Because um, when we were at WordCamp Atlanta, um, we did, I, I wasn't that involved in it because I've never really got into development with Gutenberg. But tell me a little uh, about what you're doing um, specifically mm-hmm. with Gutenberg. Um and I will end with a question about um, if someone were a developer, how would they get, you know, what would be a good way for them to start, um, you know, with get into Gutenberg development? But first, you know, uh, what are you doing with, with Gutenberg? Yeah, so there's a lot you can do with Gutenberg right now. <laughs> there's a lot of different approaches that a lot of developers are taking. I think for me with my theme background and having a whole catalog of themes like 18 or so that I'm trying to figure out the best way to migrate over into Gutenberg, that's kind of where I'm started or that's where I started at last December as soon as uh, we saw the demo at WordCamp US. And um, so since then, I'm using, like I said, I'm using Tabor as my my playground. So that way I'm not updating 18 themes every week to push out updates. And now that things are getting pretty solid, I'm going to start migrating a lot of the Gutenberg stuff that I've learned with themes and I've been writing about on my blog and my, migrating all of that into each of my individual themes. And then I'm also building some plugins. I've got uh, Coblox, which you mentioned in the very beginning. It's kind of uh, 
grown into a suite of blocks for content marketers. Um, it's just some simple stuff right now. Like, uh, you know, you can search Giphy through one of the blocks and insert a GIF. Uh, you can add gists and accordions and click to tweet stuff and click to share. Um, but eventually I want to kind of grow it into more like newsletter stuff and just explore working in Gutenberg and like building interfaces that are just like my themes where they're simple and they all just make sense. And, and my goal would be where you wouldn't be able to tell that it's any different than any other Gutenberg block, like in core, they all work the same. They're all familiar and they're all interchangeable. And I think that that's kind of where Gutenberg is going to shine in the next couple of years when people really start diving into it is these kind of block plugins or even um, block page builders. Like we've been experimenting, uh, me and a couple of friends, just trying to build blocks that are more page builder orientated instead of just content orientated, which the editor is right now. And yeah, that's been this, a really awesome um, experiment and, as and well. I, I'm not the first person to think of this, you know, but I mean, I think Gutenberg will become, you know, the uh, page builder. And, you know, I don't know if that means that things like uh, Beaver Builder and Elementor are going to wind up, um, you know, uh, fading, um, or if they're going to also morph into mm-hmm. a bunch of Gutenberg uh, blocks. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think for a while they're not going to morph, but I think they're eventually, that's what I would assume, that they would probably morph into some sort of suite of blocks. But I think for a, for a time, it's probably, they're probably okay. They're doing really good right now. And and there's and Gutenberg still has quite a bit of growing to do to, to kind of get to that level. It, it is moving fast. And even the last couple of updates have been really good and on the user interface side of things. But there is a lot of little quirks that need to be ironed out before before I would consider yeah, porting over such a huge project. Projects. Into um, but I think that's know, Mike and I were talking, I think it was the last interview, yeah. or I think we were just talking um, just in person. But nonetheless, you, you know, we, we, I don't think we've seen, um, and he more so, um, doesn't think that we've seen a big push uh, for Gutenberg yet. Um, we think that a lot of people will, once it's released, then a ton of people will be jumping on the bandwagon um, and then try to try to, uh, you know, do a uh, catch up uh, type type thing. I mean, I I could be wrong, but I mean, I, I just don't think there's a lot of movement on, you know, a lot of the plugins. How many plugins, you know, are are in there now? Forty seven thousand, you know, in the in the repository. So it's got to be right. hard for everybody to, to update, but I, I don't know. I could be wrong. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of moving pieces and, and also it's not even really all about just the actual process of updating. It's, it's about figuring out the best way to migrate your plugin into Gutenberg. If it's something of that nature like it's not you know keeping your short codes together is not the end goal it's it's really building an interface within gutenberg that you can work with that's not even it doesn't even look like a short code anymore it's completely different it's very visual and very it just makes sense and and that sort of mentality is what's going to be hard to come around yeah, to i mean because a lot, it takes a lot I, of work I think we'll to see get a there. lot of rebuilds um you know of of plugins and and it could also yeah. um you know if someone can't it 
if they can't keep up, my guess is that this is opening the door for a lot of new plugins to come in. And if they, if they deliver sooner and faster, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could, I, I would assume, uh, push a couple people, you know, out of the, uh, out of the, I wouldn't say market, but I mean, out of the popularity. So the question, right. the other yeah, question I had, I so, um, if someone is just now getting into Gutenberg development, where would you, where'd you put, uh, push people? I mean, just to get information like training, not training, but I mean, uh, education basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I'm a big, uh, there's two things or there's really three good resources, but the first place I would suggest starting is, you know, the Gutenberg handbook on wordpress.org. I think it's wordpress.org slash Gutenberg slash handbook. And it, uh, it just is a really good, it's gotten way better over the last couple of months, but it's really good at documenting everything. It gives you examples and different in ES5 and ES Next, And it's been really useful. I reference it almost every day now, even after working with Gutenberg for so long. And then, um, but I also am a huge firm believer of uh, seeing code and then manipulating it and trying to figure out how that works. So there's a bunch of examples on the wordpress.org uh, GitHub repository. And also within the actual Gutenberg repository on GitHub, there are all the core blocks listed in there. They're all written in um, uh, so ES Next. So you have to kind of learn that. But if you go ahead and learn it, then you're not having to relearn it again, you know, in a couple months or a year. Um, but it's really not, it's really not that much difference. But I think looking at those examples and figuring out how core is doing things is really useful in applying it to custom blocks. Uh, that's basically, it's been great, like seeing the evolution of Gutenberg over the last year, because I'm, I'm keeping up with uh, the core blocks and updating things as they're updating things. And I'm learning why they updated things to certain ways and why they're changing things. And oh. it's been really insightful oh, to sorry. see all of that over the last year. And then the third place, uh, yeah, the third one is a quick one. It's the, uh, I've mentioned this a lot, like the create Gutenberg, uh, which is, uh, it's a zero config uh, developer toolkit for creating blocks. It's basically, it's, you know, you just, um, it's on GitHub right now and uh, you just run it in your uh, terminal and you have nice. a basic Gutenberg block set up for you and you can kind of play around from there. Yeah, I probably need to yeah, look it's into really, that. It's really so the I fastest can, uh, way to get up. Understand it. Yeah. So, um, how many times has uh, the updates uh, broken <laughs> your blocks? Well, I guess broken's relative. <laughs> I mean, I've had, yeah, I've had some updates where you know positioning of things has been a little quirky, or they change class names, which I'm because I'm using all, okay, a lot okay. of the core class names in my blocks, so I don't have to redo anything. Um, and a lot of the updates will push lately have been pushing like, Hey, in two or three updates, whenever the next big version is coming out, we're going to drop support for X, Y, and Z. So you need to switch them. And it could tells you that in the code. Right. So, so that's been, yeah, really I wasn't, useful. I wasn't questioning. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't questioning like your ability or your code. I just, I know that things, things are morphing. Like, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. it's morphing, you know, really fast. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure that they're you know, making decisions that, that affect, you know, the, uh, the actual, um, you know, what, what you're working on. Right. So it's just, uh, sure. It's a little frustrating, but good, I guess. Yeah. It's a lot of, it is a, it, right now it's currently a lot of kind of builds it and rebuild it kind of things, but it's not bad. It's, 
you know, like they moved little things like they moved all the colors into its own color setting panel within all the core blocks. So I need to do the same thing across all of mine. But that's that's not super easy to do. (laughs) It's I mean, it is, but it's also very time consuming. Um, And and those kind of things are the things that are that are that are not a big deal right now. But when there when there's, you know, hundreds of blocks out there. And if, you know, 20 of them are doing things the way core does, and it's very familiar to users, those are the 20 that people are going to focus to and they're going to crowd around. Because I think <laughs> you, you, can't, you can go outside the mold and do things differently, <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, it just has to, yeah, you really want, like the goal here is to make it a congruent interface where no matter what, you're doing you just know what to do you know before you just add the block and then you start working with it it's not confusing but it's going to be interesting seeing how blocks evolve over the next year um because i don't don't even think we're getting into the the crazy blocks yet. i think we're still sticking to the really um, simple editor style blocks my humble opinion i mean it's just a replacement of the editor i mean that's that's the target right now um and then Mm -hmm. yes it's it's gonna get crazy um when i look at some of the stuff that's on theme forest you know and the way people do stuff um you know it's it's it'll be very interesting to see which um which companies or uh markets or whatever you know uh can keep up you know with uh stuff and kind of doing it the the right way um so that'll be that'll be interesting so but um you know it's it's good to hear that yeah. you are you know at least uh, you know working on it with with one theme you know and then you're gonna port it over to to all of your other themes i mean that's what i think mm. most most places are gonna do and my guess the the messier yeah. uh you know a theme is uh the harder it's gonna be uh for people to uh to make those changes because i think about some of the themes that are so short code driven um you know it's it'll be it'll be a a headache for them Mm. so yeah yeah and i don't think i i'm a firm believer that a lot of themes probably aren't going to put the effort in to do this i think i think it's going to be we're going to see a big divide here where the the top maybe 10 15 maybe 20 percent are going to focus on actually delivering Gutenberg compatibility and support and making the really you know solid theme set. Whereas all the people who have uploaded a theme to you know any marketplace and you know basically forgot about it or don't care, it doesn't make enough money to justify all the work that's going to go into it to do this. Yeah. So they're yep. just going. I feel like that's just going. Which is, I mean, you know, not necessarily a, a bad thing. So. Um, but you know. Um, well, I've got uh, <laughs> right. one question um, that it would not be WP Square One uh, if I didn't ask ask this question. Um, so, um, if you had to go back to Square One uh, today, what would you do differently? Yeah, so I guess I sort of hinted at this earlier, um, but but what I would do differently is from day one start talking to potential customers. And as soon as I get customers, start talking to them too. Because back then, you really didn't need to do that in the theme market. You just could put something out and people would probably buy it. It was was, the market was that good. But I knew going into it, like over year after year, I was like, okay, I'm missing something. I'm missing this feedback component that is detrimental, which I've learned now it really is detrimental because now we're in a maturing 
you know, market, you know, some, a lot of people say it's saturated, it's pretty saturated, but we're in this market where you really have to put your best foot forward. And one of the ways to do that is to focus on product research and f- development and focus on feedback and, and actually get on the phone of clients, like set up, <laughs> I, I've started this thing where I just set up little calendar, calendarly 15 minute interviews, basically. I'd say, you know, here's my, my two, my two days that I leave two hours open nice. right here. So if you want to call me, call me and schedule it there. <laughs> and then I get to talk with people and actually hear their pain points. So that's what I would tell myself, like start this today, like do this now, because that is, it's hard to get started and it's, it doesn't sound like fun, but when you are actually solving real problems and building really good, solid products for people who already want to pay you to do that, it just makes sense to do what they want you to do. If it, awesome. you know, if I it like aligns that. with what you um, align so with. So how can people so get in, uh, get in touch with you? You know, Twitter, Facebook, uh, your website, blah, blah, blah. Go ahead and list the, uh, the marketing, uh, information. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm on Twitter pretty regularly, uh, at, at Richard underscore Tabor. And my blog is rich rich Tabor.com. And that's where I've been writing a lot about Gutenberg lately, especially, uh, I kind of took a, a few week hiatus because we just moved and all that, but um, I've got a few articles lined up and I'm not really on Facebook much, uh, but I sell themes on themebeans.com and you can get in touch with me through any of those places. Those are typically where I like to reside. Awesome. Well, I'll list all of those on the, the website when we post this. Um, and I greatly appreciate your time. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> All right. I will see you probably at WordCamp US. Yeah, I'll be there. All right. See ya. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks.